0: So, today we are going to uh, conclude our, uh, our sermon series on the good, and beautiful God. We've been uh, going through this for uh, seven weeks now. This is the seventh week we've been looking, taking a good, hard look at the nature and the character of God. So, what have we learned? What have we discovered over these last few weeks? For one thing, we discovered that the God we worship is at his very, very heart, at his very, very base, that God is good. That should go without saying, but maybe we need to reemphasize that sometimes. That is very, very hard. That is very, very foundation. That is very base. God is good. When is God good, Kevin? All the time. Absolutely. (laughs) What else? We learn that God is trustworthy. We learn that God is generous. We learn that God is self-sacrificing. We we talked about the self-sacrificing nature of God last week. So over these uh, last weeks, we've tried to, uh, sorry about that. We've tried to to undo and we've tried to untangle some of the false beliefs that we might have had about God's nature and about God's character, and we've talked about trying to replace those beliefs or trying to replace what y'all heard me refer to as those narratives that we tell ourselves that are given to us directly from Christ. In other words, not what somebody else told me, not what somebody even behind the pulpit told me at one time about who God is, what God is, but about, you know, Replacing that with what Christ Himself actually showed us about the nature of God's character. So we've also discovered that having that, having that right understanding of who God is, what God is, has a major impact on our relationships. It's going to have who we think God is, what we think God is, going to have a major impact on our relationship with Him. It's going to have a major impact on our relationships with others, and it's going to have it's going to it's it's going to affect our ability one way or the other work alongside God for us to grow spiritually, uh, for us to grow in that in Christ likeness like we talk about so much. In other words, what we believe about God, what we believe about the character of God is going to either help or hinder these things. So for six weeks, the vast majority of the time, we have concentrated mostly on God's grace. We've uh, we've concentrated on, on His grace-filled, His love-filled, His mercy-filled aspects. We know that God forgives us and that God forgives us over and over and time and time again. Why does God forgive us? Because God wants to forgive us, for one thing. Otherwise, Jesus would not have been a necessity. God yearns to forgive us of our sins because He wants to. We learn that God is generous. We've got to learn that God is generous and that He showers us with His blessings again, He wants to. He is self-sacrificing. He gives all that He has for us because He wants to. God is all of these things and God is so much more. At God's very heart is an unfathomable love for His creation and a desire to see us flourish. With all of that in mind, all of this stuff that I've talked to you guys about, God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's love, God's mercy, all of the blessings that God just wants to pour over us and shower shower us with. There's one vitally important thing for us to remember and to always recognize, and that is that God is also holy. Y'all didn't think y'all were going to get through this series without talking about that, did you? God is holy. God is perfect. And God is pure in every possible way. God is sacred. God is absolutely without sin. He is absolutely sinless. Church, despite all of these aspects of God's grace, all these aspects of His mercy and His love and forgiveness, we should never, ever, ever take advantage of that. We should never, hopefully we don't want to, ever take advantage of the grace that's been poured out on us. We should never allow the love, the grace, the mercy of God to serve as an excuse for justification or to excuse the call that we have to respond and to mimic God's holiness. Matter of fact, the forgiveness that we receive from God, the love that we receive from God, the mercy that we receive from God really should serve as the catalyst that draws us into a desire for that holiness. You know, recognizing that tremendous love that he has for us should motivate us to embrace that char- the character of Jesus in every facet of our lives. So God is holy. And God calls us to holiness. That's what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes today. We'll take a look at our scripture before we dive into it. It comes out of the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, just two verses. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. Peter writes these words. But just as he who called you is holy, he being God, this is he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. It's the word of God for the people of God. It's not the first time you see those words in the Bible. It's not the only time you see those words in the Bible. Those words can be found actually throughout the Bible, specifically, Be holy because I am holy. In that scripture there, uh, the author Peter is, is quoting Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2 it's a situation where it's, it's a situation where, where God is conversing again with Moses and this, he's right now he's he's, he's, he's given he's his commandments to him and this is one of them tell your people, tell my people be holy just as I am holy. So what does that mean? What does it mean that God is holy and what does it mean for us to be holy? probably need to start off with, a, with at least some kind of some, some little definition anyway. You know, if you paid attention earlier when I did my pastoral prayer at the beginning of the service, uh, you you, you, um, talked about me. Or talked about me. I talked about, or I mentioned, rather, that God's holiness implies absolute purity. And I'm not talking about outward, legalistic type purity, what we wear, those types, those types of silly nonsense things. I'm talking about inward purity. I'm talking about. Purity in our thoughts, purity in our motivations, purity in our intentions. It's a purity of heart. So to say that God is holy is to know that God is absolutely without sin also. It means that he is perfect in his love for his creation. That's you and that's me. And we're not talking about the kind of love that's, that's mushy and emotional. But it's a kind of love that is laser focused on the desire to seek the best all people even to the point of being self-sacrificial so that should give you some kind of a base idea anyway of what we're talking about when we're talking about holiness or God's holiness in general it's that sense of purity it's that sense of, 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 of for God anyway it's that sense of being absolutely free of all sin but also having purity of heart purity in our motivations, our intentions those types of things and also of course purity in our love for God and for neighbor. So going through this series, we've kind of discovered two things now about the nature and the character of God. And This is the first time we talked about this one. There's two things that make up God's overall essence, his true nature. One of them is something we've been talking about for the last six weeks. We know that God is love, period. John defines that in his gospel. He says in no uncertain terms, God is love love. This is the essential quality or one of the essential qualities of God. What's the other essential quality? God is also holy. So you've got this perfect balance, this perfect fullness of who God is and what God is. Do y'all remember several weeks ago when I quoted to you again from, from the Gospel of John where John talks about Christ came full of grace and truth. Y'all remember talking about that? That Christ was the physical embodiment of both of these ideas. Full of grace, full of love, full of mercy, but also full of truth. It's the same thing that we're talking about here with God's overall character. God is full of love and he is also full of holiness. Those are the two essentials of who and what God is. So where are we going with this? Well, there seems to be a couple false narratives out there that you hear pretty often about about how all this works, about how 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 the love of God and and the truth of God or the grace of God and the uh, and the holiness of God, how does that how does all that work together? There's basically two false narratives that are out there that I hear anyway. That get this stuff all jumbled up. They want to do one without the other. One of these false narratives is the one that we've talked about for the last several weeks. It's the belief that. The ideas of anger or the attributes of anger, wrath, judgment, condemnation, that those things are are the primary characteristics of who God is. It's the belief, you know, that God is mad all the time, that God is just waiting to, you know, drop his divine hammer on us any time that we mess up. We've explored that narrative in great detail recently, and we've come to the conclusion, and we know today, that nothing could be farther from the truth. That is not the God of the Gospels. That is not the God of Jesus Christ. So there's one false narrative that, we, that we've talked about. Now here's, here's another false narrative that we have not talked about. And that is the narrative that people embrace that will either minimize or completely do away with God's holiness. This is more of a teddy bear type God than the God of Scripture. This is the kind of God that doesn't care about sin at all. Hey, we're covered by grace. We can do what we want to, right? This is the kind of God that doesn't care about sin. This is the kind of God that never exercises what we refer to as judgment or correction. This God is completely benevolent. Human sin never comes into the picture. In short, this God is completely void of any sense of holiness. Both of those narratives are absolutely 100% wrong. Just as God loves us unconditionally, just as God forgives us, and just as God exercises His mercy on us time and time again, God is also holy. And God calls us to reflect that image of holiness as well. Be holy, because I am holy. You know, I've told you also throughout this series that, that, that sin has consequences. Nothing that we've discussed, nothing that we've t- talked about over those last six weeks uh, regarding God's overall nature of, of, of and character of unconditional love should ever be taken to be mean to mean that there are not consequences for sin. Jesus plainly tells us this in multiple areas throughout the Gospels that this is part of the equation. That's the part of Jesus we don't like to talk about very much. That's the kind of life Jesus we we like to kind of kind of keep hidden. But it's part of the Gospels, folks, and it's part of reality. Sin always has consequences, which is why we're called to holiness. A holy God cannot endorse sin, although he certainly does continue to love us despite it. It seems so paradoxical, doesn't it? Here's the but, and this is a big but that we all need to understand about God and God's holiness and sin and how all that relates to us and consequences, those types of things. Understand the reason God hates sin so much is not because He's trying to beat us up. Not because He's trying to condemn us. Not because that's His overall nature is is, uh, is, uh, is to bash us and punish us all the time. God hates sin because God is for us. God is looking out for our best interest. It's like the sign says outside. It says, God is for you. And it says, (laughs) so are we. One of the reasons God is so opposed to sin is because God is in our corner. God is our advocate. He is in favor of us. What do you mean by that? He longs for us to be holy. He longs for us to be pure. He longs to us, for us to be internally pure. And God will work tirelessly to get us there if we'll allow Him. Sometimes that means correction. Sometimes that means facing the consequences of our sins. Sometimes it means facing the consequences of those things that we think, say, and do that we know are outside of the holiness of God. Here's the other thing. God knows that sin separates us from Him. God knows that sin separates us from Him. He knows that sin hurts our relationships with others. And He knows that sin hurts us. Church, this is one of the reasons, if not the primary reason, that God is so adamantly opposed to it. Because of what it does to us. And God doesn't want to see us hurt. He wants us to have that abundant life that Jesus talks about in the Gospels. And I'll be honest with you church, there was a time in my life where I didn't really want that kind of God. I wanted the teddy bear God. I believed in the teddy bear God many years ago. I don't want that kind of God today. I appreciate the holiness of our Creator today. Let me ask you guys that. do you really want a God who's a teddy bear God? You really want a God who's not holy, who doesn't want us to reflect that holiness? Do we want a God that is indifferent or flat out doesn't care? I always think back to my years of my years of addiction. Did I want a God who endorsed my addiction? Did I want a God who wanted me to stay where I was in that position? Or did I want a God who said, you know what, your sin is hurting you. Come to me and let me heal you we can think of all kinds of circumstances when we start thinking in that like this, we start thinking about the way God views sin and why he does the things that he does, why he allows the things that he allows in regards to the consequences that we have it's because he loves us and because he is trying to help pull us out of that mire and that muck anybody ever had an anger problem? does God want us to be stuck in that anger? anger where we're hurting ourselves, killing ourselves on the inside, and no doubt we're we're hurting the people that we love the most. I don't want a God that says, that's okay. Keep doing what you're doing. I love you. I love you, and I'm going to support you. I want a God that convicts me of that, of that unholy thought process, that unholy behavior. We can think of example after example after example of this stuff, surely talked about money this morning in Sunday school we talked about greed, do we want a God that, that endorses my greed my yearning for, for money and for things all of these things that take precedence over God all of these things that un- undoubtedly will wind up hurting other people and wound up hurting myself, no I don't want a God that endorses that, I want a God that pulls me away from that if that means suffering some consequences I'm cool with that today because I know it's for my good. I know it's for my good. I want to read something to you one more time out of our out of our book. Kind of give you another another analogy, another idea of, of what I'm talking about, and uh, why why we should rejoice, why we should you know be happy. Holiness is not a bad thing. Holiness is a good thing, just as much as love and grace and mercy and and all that stuff is. Holiness is we should want to be drawn to the idea of purity of heart, purity of motive, purity of intention, purity of love. Will we ever be free from sin? Probably not. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm a lot less sinful today than I was 10 years ago, than I was two years ago. All of us should want that. And if, if you've experienced it as I have, if you've experienced it so many people, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. God yearns to free us from our sin that kills us. That's cool to me. That's incredible to me. That's what calls me to holiness because I know God ain't out to get me. God is for me. God is my biggest advocate. God is always in my corner. Let me read to you what this guy says about the, the teddy bear God. He writes this. He says, would a, God, would a God who did not care about the differences between right and wrong be a good and admirable being? Moral indifference would be an imperfection in God, not a perfection. I may want this teddy bear God when I'm feeling guilty, when my conscience is bugging me, or when I want to rationalize my desire for sin. But I don't really want this God in the long term. Here's his analogy. How great is this? This God is like permissive parents who let their kids drink and do drugs and have sex without guilt. When we were young, we thought they were cool, but they weren't. They were lazy, and they didn't really love their kids. These may be the kind of parents that we thought we wanted when we were 15, but we really don't. I don't want a God who says, it's cool, don't sweat it, everybody sins, just do it without the guilt. Guilt stinks. Just have a good time. This God doesn't love me. Being soft on sin is not loving because sin destroys. I want a God who hates anything that hurts me. I don't know about y'all, but I want that too. Y'all pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, God, for the fullness of your holiness. We thank you, God, for that for that call that we have in both directions, that we love without condition, God, and that, and that, we, that we seek after and we learn to yield to your will of a of purity, purity of heart, purity of of intention, purity of love for God and for neighbor. God, help us to realize that those aren't bad words. Those aren't, those aren't, those aren't, those aren't words that should rub us the wrong way. (laughs) Help us to understand, God, that you always have our best interest in mind. And that's what holiness is all about, God. You just don't want to see us suffer. And you don't want us to be people who make other people suffer. Open us up, dear God, to all of these aspects of your wonderful and perfect personality, your wonderful and perfect nature. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.